Today, I want to talk about financial margin. Financial margin. In our culture today, financial stress is completely normal. It's normal. You see in almost everyone you come, come in contact with. Today, living paycheck to paycheck, it's absolutely normal. Having monthly payments, normal. Having debt, normal. Worry, anxiety, fear, again, normal. Sadly, we see the tension in our relationships. If you're married, you see fights. Number one, arguments always have to do something about money. It's normal today. It's very normal. Financial margin. Now I want to talk about the normal, and I want to talk about how we don't have to be that way. How we don't have to live like everyone else is living how we can find financial margin. Now, what do, I, what do I mean when I say margin? It's been a working definition. You see on your screen, it's on your handout notes. A margin is the amount available beyond what is necessary. It's the amount available beyond what is necessary. Last couple of weeks, we've been talking about time and making, making sure you have enough time in your life and not always be busy, busy, and busy. Having some margin in your life to sit still, to be still, and to wait on God, and how to do that. And so margin is the amount available beyond what's necessary. It's the difference between what you have and what you need. And so financially, we could say this. If you earn $3,000 a month, and you spend $2,500 a month for the, for the past month, you have $500 left over, right? That's margin. That is margin. If you earn $3,000 and you spend $3,000, how much margin do you have? Zero, right? Somebody said, okay, I, I'm math class. I wasn't expecting math at church this morning, but yeah, zero, right? Zero margin. All right? Now, some of you go, well, that's nothing, baby. You know, I make $3,000, and I spend $3,500 a month, and for you, my friend, that's a whole nother issue. That's a whole nother topic for another day. Margin, it's the amount available beyond what is necessary. Now, what does financial margin look like today? What does it look like in our everyday lives? It's having money left over at the end of the month. That's what financial margin looks like. It's having money available to help someone who is in need. Financial margin looks like it's having money available to give without feeling stressed out when you give. Financial margin. It could be having money available to do something that you enjoy. It could be having money available to help purchase some time margin. Maybe if you got financial margin, you could hire someone to clean the house or to cut the grass. And you can actually purchase some more time margin because you have financial 
margin. Margin is the ability to be financially at rest. Not anxious, not worried, not in fear, but at rest. Peace. And I believe that, the, that this is what God wants for you and for me. The Bible says in Proverbs 21, verse 20, In the house of the wise are stores of choice food and oil. In other words, he had plenty. But a foolish man devours all he has. In the house of the wise, the Bible says, there is margin. In the house of the wise, there is more than enough. In the house of the wise, there is more than you need. But we could say that a foolish person, he devours all that he has. There is a wise way to manage the money that God has entrusted to us. And there's a foolish way to manage it as well. I want to look at the words of Paul to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 6. You can see the contrast of those who live with margin versus those who don't live with margin. I want you to look at First Timothy, look at verse number 6 in chapter 6. The Bible says, but godliness with contentment is great gain. Godliness with contentment is Great gain. Paul didn't say marginal gain. He didn't say decent gain. You can almost, you can almost hear the passion in Paul's writing. As he said, this is a big win. This is a big W hashtag winning verse. This is hashtag winning when you start living with contentment with what you have. That is huge. That is a great gain. That is a big win. Hashtag win. And you should put that in your Bible. If hashtag win Bible, that would be perfect for that verse right there. Winning. He said, this is a big deal. He said in verse number seven, for we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of it. I, you, I love this. You know, you have never seen this before. You have never seen a hearse pulling a U-Haul. It's never happened. Uh, you come into this world with nothing, and you leave this world with nothing. Verse number eight, but if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. He said, this is a great gain. This is a win. Then we see the opposite of those who don't live with margin. They look like they're doing well, but they really aren't. They look like they've got it all put together. They look like they've got the nice house, the fancy cars, but behind closed doors, it's a mess. They are not winning. They're not winning in their finances. They're not winning in their emotions because they're always trying to bring it in 
to pay for what they have. And they never have enough. And verse number nine, it says, those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. It's a, for, the love, for the love of money. It's a root of all kinds of evil. Some people, eager for money, stuff, things, whatever, people eager for this have wandered from the faith, and they pierced themselves with many griefs. And what are some of the griefs that we see today? Many griefs. We see debt causing tremendous grief. We see financial pressure causing tremendous grief. We see stress causing tremendous grief. We see financial tension over money causing tremendous grief. We see people unable to enjoy the blessing that they have because they're always worried about more and about money causing tremendous grief. Marginless living. People with, living with no margin. The foolish versus the wise. Well, what's the problem? Where, where is it coming from? Why is it that so many of us live with no margin, with no flexibility, with no peace, we're always worried? Why is that? Well, our culture has convinced us of a lie. It convinced us, and it's lying to us over and over and over again. And our culture is telling us, this is how you be happy. They have defined happy. If you're taking notes, our culture, and here's the lie, our culture's definition of happiness is more than I currently have. More, more, more than I currently have. And that's what the world is telling us. Whatever you have, it's not enough. If you have something else, if you have that thing, if you have what you, you've been looking for, then you'll be happy. If you had just a little bit more, then you would have arrived. And our culture, our society tells us that you deserve it. You deserve it. If you can't afford it, make payments. Get it now. It's going to make you happy. You have to have it now. You're not happy unless you get it. Get it now. That's what our culture teaches us. More, more, more than you currently have. And we've got 20-something-year-olds getting married, trying to live this lifestyle, trying to have the same very lifestyle that their parents have that took their parents 30 plus years to obtain. But they want it, they want it now. Because if I have this stuff, then I will be happy. And this is one of the great lies that the world throws at you. The desire to acquire will never make you happy. The desire to acquire will never bring you the peace and the fulfillment that you're looking for. And here's what's crazy, is that many of you, 
not all of you, but many of you are, are, are more blessed than you ever imagined possible. And yet at the same time, you are more miserable than you've ever been. What happened? Well, in our culture, most of us have lifestyled our way straight past margin. We've lifestyled straight past margin. You see, for most of us, and I, I know there may be some of it that may be true, but for most of us, you know, it's not an income problem. You know, somebody said, well, you know, if I could just make more money. But for most of us, it's not an income problem. It's a lifestyle problem. Not an income problem. But it gets much deeper than that. Not only is it an a lifestyle problem, but a spiritual problem. A spiritual problem. Notice what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6. The Bible says, and Jesus said, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourself treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. A very fair and honest translation of this verse would be to say, but where your money goes, there your heart follows. But where your money goes, there your heart follows. And let's be honest. The average Christian in the United States gives about 2% of their income to God. Which means that 98% go to the world. Which means that 98% of our heart goes toward the world. And we wonder, you see, we wonder why we want more of the world and at the same time we're not satisfied with God. We wonder, and at the end of the day, it's a spiritual problem. We actually think that more, getting more, buying more, is going to create happiness. So what do we do? How do we create financial margin? How do we live the way that God wants us to live. There's a principle if you're taking notes. And I learned this a long time ago. It's to live by the 10, 10, 80 principle. To live by the 10, 10, 80. Now the key is the first 10 is given to God. The first 10% you give to God. The second 10% you save, save, save. You save, you save, and you save. And then the 80%, you live on the rest. You live on the rest. And notice the key to this. The key to this whole thing is that you must put God first. So foundational for all of us to live a life of margin. God it's first.
Notice I didn't say 80, 10, 10. It's 10, 10, 80. You put God first because in our world, we tend to come first. We become first. If, if we want it, we are going to get it. If we have anything left over, then we give it to God. But God wants us to give the first 10 to him. And here's the reality. Matthew 6, verse 33. The Bible says, as Jesus said this, he says, Seek first his kingdom, his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. I mean, we're talking about living for him first in all areas of our lives. And the way that we live, and the way that we serve, and the way that we spend our time, in the way that we do our finances. The first 10 go to God. And when we put him first, we're gonna see some, we're gonna see three of the most incredible, beautiful truths and beautiful benefits in our lives. I wanna talk about them real quick. Number one, what happens when you put God first in your finances? Number one, you will experience God's blessing. You will experience the blessings of God. Now, I want to talk about that first 10%. The Bible talked that, talked about that as being a tithe. Tithe. Tithe means the 10th. Malachi chapter 3, verse number 10. The Bible said, bring the whole tithe into the, short, into the storehouse. That is the church. That's the Old Testament picture of a church. Bring 10% of what God trust to us into the house of God, that there may be food in my house. And then God said something crazy. God said something crazy. And you can almost see God saying, you know, when I tell them this, they're going to think I'm off the wall crazy, that I, that I must be smoking weeds or something. I don't know. They're, they're going to be like, hey, I'm going to tell them something that's so crazy. And they're going to be like, what? He says this, God says, test me in this. Test me. Test me. If you don't believe me, then put me to the test. The only time in the Bible we can test God, right here. The only time. If you don't believe him, then test him. Then he says this, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. The 10%. This is what God is talking about. I want to talk about real quick two things that tithing does. When we bring, number one, when we bring our first and our best, God will bless the rest. Love that line. When we bring our first and our best, God will bless the rest. It trains us, it teaches us that God will do more with 90% than we can do with 100%. Tithing, it builds your faith. That's a huge step of faith to give. 
It builds our faith in from the most tangible and practical way that we can put God first. We have to rearrange our lives around God. We have to say, we have to say no to, to some things in, that we want to be a part of so that we can say yes to putting God first. The biblical, honorable, faithful tithe, returning 10% back to God. It's a choice that you have to make. We talked about last week, choosing your best yes. And you have to choose some, some yes and say some no's and rearrange your priorities. Here's the second thing that tithing does. It breaks the power of materialism and consumerism in our lives. It breaks that power. It forces us to let go some of the places that, that our money has been going so that we instead can return the tithe to God. When people ask me, Scott, if I don't have margin, if I don't have margin, should I wait until I have margin to start tithing? And I say no. I say no. You start tithing now because it breaks the very thing that led you to a marginless life. It builds faith. And you will see God's hand and his work and his provision, his blessing, as you put him first, returning 10% back to God in the form of a tithe. You will see his blessing. And I know for, this, for some of you, this is a huge, huge line of thinking right here. And here's my challenge. What's your next step? Start with a percentage. Start somewhere. And aim as fast as you can, as soon as you can, to get to 10%. But start somewhere and say, you know what, God, we, we, there's a lot of things going on. Now. I've, got to, I've got to rearrange my priorities, and it's going to take me a few months. But we're going to start somewhere and we're going to aim to get there. We're going to aim to get there. Realign your priorities today so that you can see God's hands a blessing tomorrow. Number two, what happens when you put God first in your finances? You will become supernaturally content. Content. That's something we don't see in the world. No one's content. Everyone's trying to get more and more and more when we see more stress. But when you seek him, when you pray, when you ask for his divine direction and his wisdom for what he can do for your resources that you have, and you start to live according to him, and you put him first, you will become supernaturally content. Proverbs 15, verse number 16. Better. I want you to underline that, underline that word. Better. In fact, just say it with me. Say it out loud. Say that first word. Better. I better a little with the fear of the Lord than great wealth for turmoil. Look at the next verse. Ecclesiastes 4, verse number 6. Again, underline that word, that first word, and then say it with me. Better. Say it again. Better. One handful with tranquility then two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind. Better. Better. There are very few people in our society today that believe that this 
is true. Better a little with God. Better is a little with margin. Better is a little with peace than a big house, nice cars, and at the same time, turmoil in the home. Better is something paid for than something nicer with the stress of debt. Better uh, is a little with the fear of God than what everyone else has, which leads to great turmoil and grief. Better. Better. It is better. You've got to believe it. You've got to live it because it's better. It's always better to live with contentment. Godliness with contentment is great gain. Hashtag winning. It's better. The world says more will make you happy, but you'll never get there. You'll never arrive. It's better. God says happiness is contentment with what you already have. And most of you say, no, God, I don't think so, because you've never tried it. You've never tried it. It's better. And when you realize it's better, then you start to go a little crazy. You start, hey, I've seen people realize that they had too much of a house, and they're gone crazy, and they downsized. They got within their means. Or they trade in their brand-new car and got a used car because, hey, it's Better. They can be content with the car that's a little older. may not have the plush leather, but it's a little bit older. But yet they got financial margin. It's better than to try to live paycheck to paycheck. It's better. It's better. It's always better to live with contentment. To live with contentment. It's better to see someone in need and to be able to help them out because you've got room to do it. It's better to be praying about what to do with the extras because you have extras. It's better. It's better. And when you seek God first, when you get closer to God, guess what happens? You learn contentment. You don't need those things that the world offers because God is enough. And I challenge you to go to think outside the box. And so what can we do can we still be content with this and this and that? Do we have to have these things? And before you know it, you're going to be like, man, Scott, I get it. This is better. Check out. You roll up your arm. There'll be a Dave Ramsey tattoo on your arm. You'll be like, man, I believe it, baby. You're going to be crazy. Because they believe, man, I don't have to have it all. Jesus, my God, he is all I need. It's all I need. This is a spiritual issue. It's better. It's always better. When you seek him first, you will experience his presence, his provision, his blessing. Then you will become supernaturally content. And then number three, you will end up with more of what matters. You will end up with more of what matters. You may not have what everyone else has physically, but you will have what no one else has spiritually. Let me say that again. You may not have what everyone else has physically, but you will have what no one else has spiritually. You will end up with more of what matters. Proverbs 8, 
God was talking about wisdom. But he really talked about himself. God is wisdom. But he said this in verse 18. With me are riches and honor, enduring wealth and prosperity. Verse number 19. My fruit is, here's our word again, say it with me, better. My fruit is better than fine gold. What I yield surpasses choice, silver. God says that the things I give are better than the things of this world. Instead of filling your life with the things that don't matter, you will begin to fill your life with the things that really do matter. And it will be better. When you have time margin, when you have financial margin, you will spend time with people that you love. That you will invest in the things that are the most important. You will be rich relationally. You'll be rich spiritually. You will be rich in the things that matters most when you put God first. And here's what's going to happen. Instead of just consuming more and more and more for me, you're going to start letting go. Say, God, you have blessed me financially by the way that I'm living, by giving you first. I've created margin because I'm content with what I have. I don't have to have it all. I don't have to have everything that the world throws at me. I can just give it to God. I can give it to others. I can be open-handed. And you're going to find out, very true, you're going to find out that truly more blessed to give than to receive. You will be blessed by the way that you live because you put him first. I want you to see a story of John and Heather spoke during our church. In fact, Heather led worship today. I want you to hear this story about how they wrestled by giving God and putting God first in the way that they live. Yeah, when we got married, we had, and all of it was mine. I take full responsibility for that. But we had almost $60,000 in debt. And that didn't include our car payment. And then we um, decided it would be a great idea to lease a car. <laughs> so. Well, you know, we, you're going to have a kid. You want a safe yeah, vehicle. Yeah. Therefore, yes, you got to go out and <laughs> spend the money. Yeah, after we got married, um, we got pregnant. And, uh, yeah, we had to lease the car and get the safe car for the baby. It was for the baby. It wasn't yeah. for us. So. No, Mama didn't want to drive the Subaru. <laughs> Yeah, I didn't want that Subaru and plus a hatchback. That was really fun. <laughs> no, so there's the burden of being the man of the house and providing for the family and not feeling fully up to that. Clara and I started going and I started tithing. I, was, I wasn't tithing a lot. I was just, I felt like I was supposed to tithe. But I didn't tell John <laughs> that I was tithing. Right, and, and <laughs> at this time, my one job took a downturn, so I didn't have my fun money anymore. And I'm gonna be 
brutally honest here, I was into drugs and alcohol pretty heavily. And um, I came across Heather's tithe check and I'm like, I can't go buy what I want to enjoy, yet you're giving this to the church. And I mean, it was straight junkie talk. It was terrible. And um, looking back on it, I'm like, I can't even believe those words came out of my mouth now that, you know, I've come to Christ through that church that she found. And you know, you're sitting there with all those other people and you're like, I wonder how much debt they have. Like, they look like they have it together. They have nice cars and... <laughs> yeah. And you, you find know. out you're all the same mess and the ones that look like they've got it together the most are the ones that are stretched the thinnest. Absolutely. And you know, it causes fighting between couples and you know, I mean, you hear dirty words like budget <laughs> and tithe. You know, um, I remember the first time I told Heather I want to truly tithe. And it and was a step that, of though. faith because, you know, we were we were doing a zero-based budget and we were really trying to and to take ten percent off of that right away and give it to God and the church, that was a huge jump. It was enormous and at that first time because before that we had a set amount that we would give every week, you know, and it was, it was, the amount doesn't matter, but that's the amount we were comfortable giving. But John, and this was all his idea, this was not mine, because when he said full tithe, I was like, what? <laughs> that's, um, that's a lot more than that check that we write, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know? It was, and, too. Uh, yeah, it, it took a, we took a, it wasn't a hit, but we thought it would be a hit. But then I heard um, Dave Ramsey say something and it hit so close to home and I was like, that's it, that's the key. And it, you don't think about giving 10% when you write your tithe. You think about how easy it is to live on 90%. And when you think about it backwards, it makes writing that check so much easier and it actually gives you, like, I love, that's my favorite thing about being paid, is giving. Like. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I love having, you know, a nice emergency fund or this or that and having stuff paid off. But the best part is being able to give, you know, at least 10% back to our church and back to God. And, you know, God doesn't need the money, you know, he doesn't. But when you give joyfully and with the right attitude, you know, just to get to that point, I mean, it took a lot and it was a stretch, but it's, I do, I love that little push pay app we have. <laughs> you see, when you give God first, when you put Him first, you experience His blessings. You will be supernaturally content. And I promise you, you will have more of what truly matters. The choice is yours. The choice is yours. Not an income issue, it's a lifestyle issue. But more than that, it's a spiritual issue. The choice is yours. You first, or God first. And just understand it. Putting God first is always better. Our Heavenly Father, we love you and we thank you 
we thank you that you have blessed us in so many ways. That you have blessed us first of all with your son Jesus, who lived a perfect life and gave his life so that we could have eternal life through your son Jesus. And God, we thank you that you have blessed us in so many other ways. And God, I pray that you challenge us speak to our heart, challenge our heart this morning. How do we need to start living? Perhaps some of us are doing the first 10. But we're not living on the second 10. We're not saving. We don't create financial margin. We don't live with contentment. And so therefore, God, they are always under stress, anxiety, and fear about how they're going to what happens if the car breaks down, how they're going to pay for it. But God, I pray that we can start creating some financial margin. But thank God perhaps there's some of us that need to deal with that first 10. That first 10 is a big jump in our faith. And for some of us, it's going to take a baby step to get there. But God, I pray that you will give us the wisdom and the peace and to show us how to do it. Show us that we can live on the 90 and not on the 100. And that we're better off living on the 90 and we're trying to do it all in the hundred. God, I pray that you help us ingrain these truth in our lives so that we can start living within our means with financial margin. In your name I pray. Amen. Let's all stand. Let's worship.